0: Stenhouse Publishers amplifies educators' voices through professional books written by teachers for teachers, like Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters. This award-winning book on systemic inequity in schools presents clear and accessible research, allowing educators to move from reflection to interruption. Authors Tanya B. Perry, Stephen Zemelman, and Katie Smith Share strategies for examining internal biases and facilitating transformative conversations. Use code STEN24 for 20% off the Routledge website through April 26. Peeps, don't sleep. We got author, illustrator Robert Lou Trujillo. Hey, if you don't know, got to check this book fresh juice we're going to be talking about this today but he's collaborated and written and illustrated for numerous books including Khan's first flat top and mm. ale alejandria fights back and when he was a kid he and his dad made some fresh wheatgrass juice so this inspired Along with his stepdad, um, Juice, fruits, and vegetables. And this inspired this book. And we're gonna get into it momentarily. Robert is from Oakland, California. Shout out to the West Coast. He has a wife and two kids. And you can check his workout at work.robdontstop.com. Listen, folks, Lorena and I have been following his work for some time, and he's he's one of a small group of illustrators that we really we we re, the the work resonates with us. We love the illustrations. We love the diversity. We love the depictions. We feel seen. We feel valued. Love sitting down with our kids and and going through some of your work. So thank you for being here today,
1: bro. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here and uh, a part of what y'all doing. Y'all doing some incredible work that's so needed. Not just. Um, in Florida where y'all at, but like worldwide people need that. So I appreciate it.
0: No, no, we, we appreciate it also. And it's no exaggeration when I say we, we definitely been following the work that, that you've been doing. And and I have mentioned in, in earlier communication that you're on our short list of illustrators. If, if you happen to be available, whenever we're ready to make, make our children's book, you were on the shortlist of illustrators, so respect to you. I know you may or may not be available, but I'm I'm putting it out
1: there. I appreciate it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna have that in the back of my pocket. I'm gonna be like, yep, they said they was wanting to do one. So, <laughs> right on.
0: Word. Well, you know, I, I mentioned a little bit of a, a little bit of what this book has to do with, but um, I, I want to know your why behind the book and and who it was written for.
1: So for me, um, when I started getting into kids' books, there were not that many children's books that showcased uh, fathers, like black fathers, men of color with their kids. And so when I did for Cons First Flat Top and when I did, I actually wrote this one before for Cons First Flat Top. Um, When I did both of those stories, it was like an effort to showcase them in a just regular everyday life. Like not something that had to do with pain or um, history, but just them just being fathers or just being uh, families. And so that that was one of the main reasons why. And then when it comes to the juice, um, I just thought it would be I mean, it was something that me and my son actually did and realized We would actually make those the juice like that. And so it was important to just show something that like this is what this is what everyday folks are doing. So that is the main impetus behind it.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that because I have a son. I have three kids. I have one son. My, My son is five years old. And so. As I was reading the book, you know, I it really I really connected with it in that sense. You know, fatherhood has just made me see life very differently. And, and my father passed away recently, so that's been oh, present in my mind. Now, nah, you know, what grieving <laughs> but grateful, but nonetheless, this is some of the stuff that I've been on lately too. As I've been thinking about what are some of the publications that I want to put out moving forward. I really want to drive that narrative in terms of, like, our presence in the household, our presence in the community, the fact that, like, no, we as fathers, we're here. We're doing yeah. the work. We're loving our children. We're willing to make ourselves vulnerable. We're we're communicating with the kids. We're connecting with them. We're doing activities. Like, we're really here doing this. We're yeah. present. You know, we're, we're not, like, father by title now we're, we're living it out and so yeah. that came across in your book and I I, I really really loved it because it, it made me not just feel affirm as a black father but it also made me feel like yo there's other people thinking like me there's other people driving that narrative that we know yeah. is true
1: and I and I'm, I think uh, and another element too is like When I did for Con's First Flat Top, I did it in English and Spanish, because I know like that, like yourself, like Afro-Latino fathers as well exist. And like the the cross-communication or the cross-cultural conversation between um, Latinos who might not know there's black folks who are Latino and black folks who might not know like uh, something about Latino culture. And so to not only learn the language and how to communicate, but also to just kind of see each other in that space. Um, I wanted to do that with, Fresh juice as well, but that's not how Lee and Lowell, uh publishes. So it's a there's an English one and there's a Spanish one. So,
0: no, nah, that's that's dope. We have to continue broaden our reach. And when my book Blewing Tears" with my poetry book, I I took that approach of going Spanglish for for the yeah. exact same reason that you said. Uh, and for me, it's also a way to model for my kids. Like yo you know we, let's utilize it all english spanish yeah. spanglish like it's all love it's all beautiful and we communicate right. in all these different ways and so let's let's be proud of that let's it's an asset let's leverage that
1: yeah no definitely as,
0: as an author and illustrator i'm curious to learn about your process for developing books like do you write first do you draw first i wish i had the the illustration skills but i don't but I see my my daughter has a lot of potential, so she might be my future illustrator. But what are some of the things that you have in mind when you're creating your illustrations and you're putting your stories together?
1: So for me, I mean, right now I keep like a running document or like notes on my phone where I kind of jot down ideas like I'll see something or I'll experience something. Or I'll have a dream and that'll make me think of an idea. And sometimes it's for a younger audience, like a picture book. And sometimes I'm thinking for older children, like maybe kids who are in um, the older grades of elementary or middle school. But right now, I usually will look at that document, um, go over something that I've already written and kind of wanted to leave alone and then come back to it and with fresh eyes and see, is this still a good idea? When I was first starting out, when I first started working on books, I basically would take um a sent- like an idea and I would write a sentence or a paragraph based on that idea and I would do one image to go with it and it was a way to work on um the the drawing skills and the writing skills I started as an illustrator first so just the visuals but I quickly learned that in order to have um power in this game like in the in the publishing world you needed to learn how to write and to be an author as well and I also learned that in order for me to have um I guess more uh, agency in the storytelling process I needed to write as well as illustrate so back in the day it was like a lot of little short stories and now it's um basically like keeping a, a running document of ideas that i have and like letting them breathe and then coming back to them
0: that's great and i always tell students when i'm working with them when i'm doing writing workshops i let them know writing is a work in progress yeah don't, don't Sometimes we as writers, you might feel like, ah, that pressure, I got to have that finished work. And I'm like, hey, it's okay. Like you could come back to this. You could revisit this maybe tomorrow, maybe in a week, maybe in a month. But it's a work in progress.
1: Yeah. And it's rewriting, too. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest parts. I think when I first started of not wanting to redo it, I'm like, it's dope already. Like just put it out. And (laughs) then like the older, the more I read, the more I I do it, I'm like, okay, this needs to go through some, some levels basically to level up and be something that, I mean, you want to make something that's classic that, that people can read more than once. So yeah.
0: Facts. My editor and I, uh, my editor, Tanya Manning Yard, we, we went back and forth a lot when I was writing my books. It was driving me crazy. But then I feel convicted because I'm like, oh, man, she's right. When I read the feedback, I'm like, she's right. You know, we got we to gotta get this tighter. So we
1: gotta you got to... You know what? I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's important. I mean, the other day I was listening to an interview with Black Thought and he was talking about how their first manager would grill him on his bars and be like, that ain't it, son. Like, redo it. And I was like, what? You say that to Black Thought? And, and, wow. and he was like, and he was like, yo, it made me better. Like, even though I didn't want to do it, I, I re- went back and like kept punching it up and making it better and better. And I'm like, wow, that's that's humbling.
0: Yeah. And, and look at him now, like still going at it, still at the top of his game out there, the yep. ball, ball with any of the rappers.
1: Yep, Any of them.
0: So there, there's a lesson in that, right? There's a lesson in terms of embracing the editing process. Yep. So is, is there a particular reason that you centered the farmer's market and co-op as places where Art and his father shop for juice ingredients?
1: For sure, yeah, I think um, part of the underlying current of the book is to talk about how, uh, what they would say during the pandemic, which is like mutual aid, like helping each other out, like you got this, I got that, let's, let's break bread, like I'll share with mine, you share with some of yours. Although they are exchanging money for uh, like fruits and vegetables, it's the idea of having these places in the community where you can go to to get resources or nourishment. So like uh, I, I used to live in in Brooklyn and when I was there, the, the the place that's the co-op in the book is actually modeled on this one called the Park Slope Co-op in Brooklyn. And it's one of the places where they have really great food um, and you can work as part of uh, being a cooperative member that makes it more affordable and more um Attainable for just everyday people. Like sometimes you go to Whole Paycheck or Whole Foods, and like you got to drop uh, a major amount yeah. of money to get that good food. Done.
0: I tell my kids that's a field trip.
1: Yeah. Exactly, and so Whole Foods
0: is a field trip.
1: It is. I mean, it's it's expensive. So I mean. And then that goes hand in hand with the farmer's market. The farmer's market is a a more affordable way for one to get fruits and vegetables, but it's also a way of supporting, uh, your fellow farmer, your fellow worker, because if they are, let's say, for example, those black farmers in your state, um, you're helping them to maintain, to like keep growing food by buying it directly from them instead of them having to go through a middleman, like a store where the store may take like 30, 40% of what their earnings would be. So, it's kind of like I think a, a lot of people who are in big cities are already familiar with these. But like people in other areas, um, maybe maybe they don't know about these or maybe they don't necessarily make use of them. So it's just a way to kind of highlight them and say these are these are places in your community where you can get that good nourishment. You know.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. I think it's important for us to continue to highlight them. No, you know, here in Tampa, there's a few farmers markets and. I don't know about co-ops. Maybe there is, and I'm just not familiar because I haven't been here too long. But when I lived in Texas, in Austin, there's at least one co-op that I could think of. And uh, there were a few farmer markets, and and we definitely used to utilize that. But fully agree with you in terms of the importance of knowing these places in the community and, and really giving back, in this case, uh to the farmers for their hard work and supporting the work that they're doing cuz it's tough. It's tough for them to compete with the big dogs with these chains, you know what I'm saying? Like and and this is not even right? We're not even scratching the surface of all the stuff that like happens behind the scenes, you know, with with corporate moves to to try to take them out.
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: So, what 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 are three ways that a teacher can implement your book?
1: Because this okay. is something uh, I'm
0: always trying to explore in terms of like, all right, we got educators listening to the podcast. When I have these authors on, I want them to get a sense of what can I take from, in this case, fresh juice that I could implement on Monday morning.
1: For sure. I mean, I think um, what I try to do or what I'm learning to do, I should say, is to show, not tell when it comes to like the the writing and the illustrating. And so sometimes what the illustration shows might be completely different than what the words are actually saying and um so in the, in this case in the book i mentioned uh um the main character art is his stepfather dylan <clears throat> and i only mention him in name towards the the later part of the book but i also show that he has like a a, a sibling with uh with his mom and his stepfather having another child and so i come from a, a family where it's you know my parents divorced when they were really young Um, I have two kids. One of them uh, is with uh, a mom that I haven't been with for a long time, but we co-parented for a long time. And I think this idea of like blended families is much more common than most uh, kids' books would talk about. And so there's lots of books about divorce. There's lots of books about, you know, like maybe, um, you know, the kid has two dads or the kid has two moms, but not that many about um, step parents. So I just wanted to throw that in there. And I think that if you're talking to a classroom. You're going to have a certain percentage of them that are they have a co-parenting thing happening in their family, uh, their home life, or maybe even they live with the grandparents. Like uh, it's basically a, a way to talk about different types of, of families, and like it's good to have like the the mother and the father and like the nuclear family or whatever. But there are also like you know maybe you live part time with your dad, maybe you live part time with your mom. That's one way I think to talk about it by talking about family. The other one is. Um, talking about like uh, vitamins and minerals, like the the things that we need to nourish our body. So some of the places, like when they go to the West African market, he tells them this fruit has this vitamin in it and it's good for you. He doesn't go into the reasons why, but I think that's a jumping off point to talk to kids about vitamins and minerals and like, what are the things that our body needs? What are the things that we don't need? What are people consuming too much of or what are we not getting enough of? I think that also the, the idea of um, making like, you know, the, the makers community where people will, um, whether it be with like electronics or 3D printing, people will build stuff or they will make things or there's a, a big culture of community where people repair. And instead of like buying the new, new shiny joint, they'll get something that's older and like repair it and make it new again. And so in the book, there's a part where the, the stepdad has like a generator that's using electricity to make the juicer go and I've experienced this in person um, here in Oakland. There've been a couple festivals that I've been to where they'll have um, these bikes pull up and they'll have like a smoothie uh, blender connected to it. So you could literally ride that bike and make your blender um, just by your own power. So I, I would love for them to maybe have a conversation about like um, the maker community, like what people make. Um, those are like the, the lower on the low things that I don't, it's not like the main thing when you see the book in in general, I mean, I think, um, I mean, for black teachers, especially it'd be great to talk about like, you know, just the, the beauty of black fatherhood and like taking care of our kids and like having models to look at or to, to point to, um, Yeah, those are some of the ones I can think of. If you actually, if you look on Lee and Lowe's website and if you look on mine, there's an actual teacher's guide. So any educators that want to make use of it in classroom, whether that be with younger students or older ones, you can look at that guide and get some ideas.
0: There you go. Hey, folks, don't sleep. We're giving out free guides, free game. Go get it. Yep. So in the dedication, you mentioned your dad and Gary. Tell me a little bit about them.
1: Yeah. So when I was when I was a kid, um, my dad, he worked at a health food store in the Bay Area. And I think it was uh, El Cerrito, actually, which is like uh, north of Oakland. And he would he was just on it like he was really into it. And he would come home with, you know, all these different type of things. He actually started growing wheatgrass like in our house. And then he had like a little metal uh, machine that he would wind it up and then put it in there and like make it. And so it's very nutrient rich and like antioxidants and vitamins. When I was a kid, however, I was not feeling it. And I whenever I drank it, I was just like, Ugh, like, this is the like, please, like, this is not the thing I want to drink. But as I began to become a father myself and to um, uh, mature as a, as a young man, I, I began to see the value of what he was teaching in a way of like, these are ways that you can like you know, interject some nutrients, like high nutrients into your diet or your regular routine. Um, and then oh, my Gary, Gary is my stepfather. When, when he was, uh, when I was living with them, he would often take fruits and vegetables and make juice with them as like a regular practice. And so when I started living on my own and like making food for my son, I naturally wanted to do that same thing with him, not the wheatgrass juice, (laughs) but uh, take him to the store, get the ingredients and like make the juice with him. So I have pictures of him where he's like, you know, uh, peeling the fruits and helping me actually make it. And, you know, I wouldn't put a ton of ginger and uh, cayenne in it, but just a little bit. And, And he would drink it and he would like, this is good. And so to the point where, like, if his homies came over, they'd be like, I don't know about that. And he'd be like, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> try it out. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's why I dedicated it to them.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about the cayenne. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to try it one of these days. I'm going to go. through. Yeah, my just a little bit. Right. Just, but I'm like, I don't know. Yo, cayenne really juice.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the uh, there's been a couple schools I've read it many, many times, and some of the schools that I visit, there are kids who are like, Yep, yep, I like this. You know, like the spiciness doesn't bother them. And other kids that are just their whole face melts and they're like, No, 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 no. So I think you really should uh, depend on the kids you give it to.
0: Sure. But I think one of the important things, not just for kids, for all of us, is the willingness yeah. to try on new experiences.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Right? For sure.
0: Might try your juice and I might not like it, but at least I right. tried it
1: exactly least you try it well and that's a, and there's a recipe in the back so if, if oh no that's why. that's
0: it. why i said i'm a, I'm gonna do it with my kids because i yeah, yeah i saw the recipe, I saw the recipe. <laughs> Right on. Uh, and i saw the cayenne's right in there but you know if i don't like with the cayenne i'm just you know I, i'm gonna do everything else and leave the cayenne out
1: yeah i mean i, I tell people to do all the other stuff try it just like that and then slowly introduce the other part
0: okay <laughs> okay work yourself there So fresh juice ends in the following manner. A little support from the community really made the difference. If we keep helping each other out, we might not ever get sick. Can you build on this notion?
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that whole idea of mutual aid, like, um, if let's say, for example, during the pandemic, there was no, I mean, there was very little support for people who like historically been affected by these things. Um, but like, if we had to theoretically just handle it on our own, like if there's one house on the block that grows greens and there's one that keeps chickens and there's one that, uh, as livings, like we all get together and start sharing and talking to each other. It's, um, it's a way moving forward to, to basically help each other thrive and to live and to, to grow and to be healthy. And so I think it's just it's just like a not so subtle nod to helping each other out as community members and like really learning to work together. Um, so that way, you know, we can be healthy.
0: Yeah. And you, you did a great job of capturing community. Thank you. This book by highlighting the different spots, um, the the farmer's market, the West African market, um, the co-op, And the different individuals that were owners of those spaces, right? Like I could tell the different backgrounds, um, maybe not super acutely, but I could tell like there was enough detail there that let me know like, oh, all these people, they have similarities, but they're different from one another. You know, might have a different accent, they might be um, different words that they say, or they might be particular crops that are associated with that
1: people group exactly i mean i think that's that's another lesson as well which is like i'm not trying when i think of trying to give kids lessons i'm not trying to like hit them over the head with it i'm trying to like give them a good story and then like make it subtle if if possible and so like having the different people is another subtle lesson to be like hey like we're stronger when we got a bunch of different ideas and different folks together rather than just one crop like if we only got carrots like you're getting one vitamin but you're not getting the other ones so
0: That's great. So shifting gears a little bit, if you had the opportunity to have lunch with anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Uh, Most definitely I would be with my grandmother, um, my mom's mom, because she, in many ways, she inspired all of us in terms of like our willingness to try new things, our um, critical thinking in terms of like activism or like world events. a kind of, uh, what's, what's the word? Very, very open minded in terms of like going to different places, listening to different music and trying different foods. Yeah. I would definitely, she, she passed a long time ago, but I would love to sit down with her and just show her all the things that I've been able to do since then. And like some of the stuff that her family is doing as well. Uh, I think she would be really proud of everybody. And then if it was somebody alive, I think I would probably Sure, I'll probably talk to MC Light. I always really loved MC Light. She was Light still with, ill with the bars, and I just think she's like a really nice person. So I would love—I'm a big fan of her ever since I was a kid. So I would love to talk to her. Oh,
0: well, that's what's up, man! I wasn't expecting that. Wow, I came out of left field. MC Light, underappreciated as an MC, yes. but definitely definitely a trailblazer. Light is a rock. Yeah. So, for those that are listening, what's message of encouragement that you want to offer them
1: um i would say for people who want to do something creative to get in the gym and and what i mean by that is to like work out um stretch uh lift the, the heavy weights in terms of like just staying fit because the more you you work out the more when it comes to actually doing something big or uh taking an idea that if you have that just comes to you and running with it, the more in shape you are. So I would say, um, hit the gym or, or practice pretty much. Um, and then I would say, you know, as I'm getting older to, uh, take breaks, you know, like it's, it's important to like do your thing and to like show everybody and to like work with folks. And it's also important to like rest and to take breaks and to really take care of your, your mental and your physical and your family and then come back, you know, the, the work is always going to be there.
0: That's love. So people that are interested in knowing more about your work as an author, as an illustrator, maybe they want to cop fresh juice. Where can they follow you?
1: I think the easiest place is to go to Robdonstop.com, the website you mentioned earlier, because on there you can find my store and you can get the book, or you can find that teacher's guide I was talking about, and then you can find all the social media places where I'm at.
0: There it is, folks. Fresh Juice by Robert Lou Trujillo. Uh, A beautiful book, a a book that really captures the essence between the relationship of a father and a son. Uh, I think this is a relatable book for all people. So, thank you. If you're not familiar, please go out there and support Robert and the work that he's doing, not just with this book, but definitely Fresh Juice. Uh, but with all the work that he's doing it's it's great work he has a wonderful approach it's a welcoming book that tells a beautiful story uh about relationship about community about healthy eating a healthy lifestyle don't we all need that fresh juice people thank you robert for being here it's great thank you, thank you for having here. me look forward to continuing to dig into your work and once i try this recipe out We'll let you know what. Yeah, let me know.
1: Let me know. So
0: That's dope. I, I love that you put that in the back of the book. That was a nice little touch, you know, because you, you brought us through the story one ingredient at the time and then it all comes together at the end and you get you offer us something practical that we could do as the reader. Uh, and in this case, I really love the idea of doing it with my kids. So uh, thank you for bringing us through that journey with Fresh Juice
1: most definitely yeah that was i believe that was the editor's idea you should put the recipe in the back and i was like yeah that is a good idea
0: well who's your editor
1: uh her name was cheryl klein uh, when we first started
0: shout out to cheryl right on all right peace peace as always your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated be sure to subscribe rate the show and write a review finally for resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society. Go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.